good morning, everybody. Um, I'd, I'd love to, uh, I'd love to honour God this morning because the Lord has uh, provided us with, with the Bible. Yeah, thank you. Uh, and could I ask you, would you be willing to stand up if you can? Could, and then I'll read it, part of it. Don't worry. <laughs> okay. And what an honour to have Pastor Moffat here this morning. I feel humbled and honoured that you're with us this morning. God bless you. Um, <clears throat> verse 19 of uh, Matthew chapter 6, and I will begin reading. It says, Do not store up for yourselves treasure on earth where moths and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasure in heaven where moths and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And, and why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon, in all his splendor, was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the, clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, Will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So don't worry, saying, what shall we wear, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given you as well. Therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. May God bless the reading of his word. Please do be, please do be seated. I want to just share with you this morning um, about our never-ending priority, our never-ending priority. Um, and that priority is to seek first the kingdom of heaven and his righteousness. And... Um, if we do that, then I've kind of summed up four results of seeking first the kingdom of heaven. And here, here they are, a dynamic with benefits retirement policy. <laughs> Actually, in heaven, I don't think we'll be retired. Never. <laughs> Start over in a brand new chapter of uh, a great experience. That's the first thing, treasure in heaven. The second thing, light will flood your being. The third thing, your needs on earth will be met. 
And the fourth thing, because of that, you don't need to worry. They're the promises, but, it, but there is a condition. And the condition is that you seek first the kingdom of heaven and his righteousness. And so can I just ask you straight away, where are you today? Where am I? Where's my position? Where is my t- tent pitched, so to speak? Am I one, are you one who seeks first the kingdom of heaven and God's righteousness in my life? Because if I am, then I can expect those results. It's God's word and it's true. Thank you. <laughs> okay, uh, and so what I just want to share with you, with you in these few minutes is what does it mean to seek first the kingdom of heaven? Still on the subject of money. It's quite long this series, isn't it? Uh, that's because there's a lot of money in the Bible. Uh, but there we are. A lot about money in the Bible. So I just want to ask the question then, uh, where is your treasure? Where is your treasure? Can I just ask it in a slightly different way? What do you treasure above all else? Let me ask it in another slightly different way, looking over here. Is there an area in your life that is higher in priority than your commitment to serving God or doing his will? Let me ask it from a different perspective. Where on a list, well, there's my highest priority in life, and there's kind of my lowest, if you like. Where on there would God appear? Question. I want to share with you quite a shocking statement by Jesus. But before I do that, I just want to explain a particular language device that Jesus used when teaching. And that language device is something called hyperbole, which I mistakenly used to call hyperbole and made myself look a complete idiot. It's pronounced hyperbole. Uh, And what it is, it's exaggeration to emphasize a point. Now, a few weeks ago in Easter, Liz and I did what we normally do each year, which is go down to Pembrokeshire and visit Liz's sister and brother-in-law there. And uh, we uh, like to do, when we can, if it's not too wet, do a five-mile walk, coastal walk on Pembrokeshire country, Pembrokeshire park, whatever you call it. Coastal path, that's the word. Um, And from Newgale Beach to the beautiful fishing village of Solver. And halfway there, there are sheer cliffs and just two or three feet in the wrong direction. But you'd be down the side of the cliff, you'd definitely die. Now, if you were afraid of that, and I must admit, peering over it, I did get a bit scared. But if you were particularly afraid of that, you could probably say something like, do you know what, you're not going to get me within a million miles of that cliff which is a ridiculous statement because a million miles away from that cliff is somewhere in outer space, isn't it? But what's the point? It's exaggeration to emphasise a point that no way, (laughs) no way, I'm so afraid of falling down that cliff. I am not, it's that far away. I'm making a point, I'm emphasising. Well, here's the shocking statement and this is in the context of where is God on your pecking list of priorities in your life, in my life. Here it is, here's the statement. It's not what we read, but it's uh, 
from the passage. It's from Luke 14 and verse 26. And it says this. It says, if you want, says Jesus to his followers, if you want to be my disciple, you must, by comparison, hate everyone else. Your father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters. Yes, even your own life. Otherwise, you cannot be my disciple. Now, I don't believe Jesus was saying there we should hate, despise people that we love. Of course not. Not at all. But what he's saying is that the position that he and the Lord should occupy in each of our hearts and our estimations and our commitments and our priorities is so high, so high, that all of the considerations, all of the priorities really appear so low. It's a million miles away. So here's the point. Is God such a high priority in my life, in your life, that by comparison, other things, other people are so low? Because simply for the reason that God is so high, (laughs) everything looks so low else. Is that the situation? Paul writes to the church in Corinth, and he talking about the second coming of Jesus to the earth and he, and he uses this expression he says to them when Christ who is your life appears <laughs> so where does Christ figure in their estimation he's not just a part he's not just an important part he is their life it's an all-consuming passion that, that they have for him He puts it like this, does Paul, in Philippians 3.8, writing to the Philippians. He says, everything else to me, this is how he sees it, everything else to me is worthless when compared to the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. In fact, I count everything else as garbage. Garbage compared to knowing Jesus. And I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection in my life. So let me just come back to this again. <laughs> Hope I'm not overstressing a point, but I'm just trying to say, you know, where is the Lord Jesus Christ? Where is Almighty God <clears throat> on our list of priorities in our life today? It's a challenge, isn't it? It's a challenge. But just coming back to our text that we uh, read from, in this passage, the main thing that can topple God off the top of your list of priorities in your life was not people, that's one of the things, but it's money and possessions. And uh, the passage that we read, Matthew 6 and verse 24, I'll just read it again. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You can't serve both God and money. So here's the second thing that can dethrone God from top, top position in our estimations, in, in our commitments, in our life. Money and material things. So too much value being applied to gaining money, material thing, will have the effect of prizing you away from God. Now I mentioned going to Wales uh, the other week. On our way back from Haverford West, we called in at Clenethley and uh, to uh, meet up with 
two old friends of ours from the time when we lived down there. And uh, they told us a story about the leaders of their church. They got uh, a daughter, they got two daughters, but this one daughter, how she used to be really enthusiastic for God. In fact, she led worship regularly. She was a big influence for the youth. But she's kind of slipped away and she can't really call herself a disciple anymore at the moment. And, and what happened, they told us what happened. What happened was she met up with a, a young chap. Um, and this young chap really did all the things that another, another passion of her, her life uh, was doing things to do with surfing and uh, camper vans and going from beach to beach, uh, kind of living a bit of a hippie lifestyle, if you like. And nothing wrong with that, that's fine. Uh, but, but anyway, she got into this, and this young chap who wasn't a Christian, um, she just went off and did those things. And God, it sort of prized God away from her. God became less and less and less a priority. So she doesn't do any of those things anymore, and she wouldn't even, I think, call herself a Christian at the moment. And so what had happened is that her affection had changed and God was knocked off the top spot in her life. And so that's what can happen. You can't serve, you can't be chasing after material things as well as serving God. Like I say, nothing wrong with those things, but but her passion changed. And uh, Paul says this, he says, for the love of money or material things, for that matter, is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people, eager for money, have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Is there an antidote to wanting things so much, but not to the point where we dethrone God? I think there is. I want to give you three tips. The first one is, first thing you have to do is deny yourself. It's old-fashioned. You think, well, that's not very... Can I, use a, can I use a colloquial term? That's not very sexy. You know, that's not, you know, meaning popular sort of idea uh, to deny yourself. It's not very hip, is it, to do that? But actually, to deny yourself... When my wife, Liz, was seven, about 17, it was the first airing on TV of the popular series, Faulty Towers. Anybody a fan? I love it. I'm in belly laughs uh, with this. <laughs> and, uh, well, it was for Liz as well. This was before we met. And, but it was at a time in her life where she was really on fire for God. And she watched a few of these episodes and... Um, she just felt in herself, this is what she felt, she just felt, and you might think this is a bit, a bit extreme, that she was so, so loved, this series of Faulty Towers. She wanted to make a point. She just wanted to say, Lord, I love you with all my heart, and I don't want anything to get in the way of that. And she stopped herself watching them. She's watched them now, and belly laughed all the way, but... At the time, she made a point of denying herself that thing that was, that was just suggesting. That's a higher, higher value in my life, something that, that I would worship more than God almost. 
But the first thing is to deny yourself. It could be in all sorts of things. It could be in, could be in watching TV. It could be people with whom you mix that lead you down wrong paths. It could be any number of things, but you will know in your heart if that applies to you. To deny yourself is the first step. The second thing is, if we're talking about money, is to regularly give some of it away. To regularly give some of your money away. Now, I know it's hard-earned, and I know that that can be difficult, but Paul says this in 1 Corinthians 16 and verse 2, on the first day of every week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income. You may wonder why we have an offering. (laughs) Well, in part, this is the first day of the week, and in part it's to give people that that opportunity to do that, to give a portion of their money. Now, to Paul, it would be a tenth, because he was a Jew. But he's not foisting that onto people, but that's the inference. And many people in this church do give a tenth. But whatever it is, whatever it is, it's a portion of money in proportion with your income. So make the sacrifice of giving away a portion of your money. That's the second thing. The third thing is develop a generous spirit. Develop a generous spirit. Sorry, I'm just looking at my clock. And I've got time, haven't I? So um, develop a generous spirit. Um, Here's here's another passage which is not that clear immediately uh, as we look at it. Uh, In verse 22 and verse 23, the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. So what does it mean to have a bad eye or a good eye? Well, if you look in the margin in your Bibles at that verse, what to have a good eye means is, in old-fashioned Jewish language, is it actually means to be generous. And in Israel today, if somebody's having a collection for a, uh, a new piece of equipment for the children's hospital or something like that, they will go around and say, now, come on, have a good eye. Have a good eye. Don't have a bad In other words, be generous. Don't be stingy. And the result is Jesus says, your whole body will be full of light. One man who God enabled to see something in a remarkable way is a pastor of a church in America called Rick Warren. Um, in the early noughties, early 2000s, he felt God gave him... Uh, Information. It was like a download from the internet, but it was from God into his spirit to write a book. And the book was called The Purpose Driven Life. And um, it was on the New York Times bestseller list for 90 weeks. And by 2007, it had sold 30 million copies. Now, all of a sudden, Rick's life... Uh, was impacted by something he'd not particularly known before. Quite a lot of money coming in. But do you know what? I'm so so proud of Rick (laughs) because he still lives in the same house. He still drives the same car. Maybe it's a modern version. You know, it's only three years old before he changes it. But 
And he gives over 90% of his income away. He doesn't take a salary from the church. He doesn't need to. But, but Rick's a generous man. Now, what, what, what happened? Well, a bit unusual in this case. Light flooded his being. And, and he got this revelation and he put it down in a book. He, he admits, I didn't get that from it. God gave me that. And so he gives it back to God. Uh, uh, a light floods into his heart. Just recently, I had a situation where I thought, now with my teaching that I do, should I go down this route or should I go down that route? And I committed it to the Lord and I prayed about it. And I felt God indicate to me one certain path. And I've gone down that path and it's worked out to be the correct path. Can't give you detail. Well, I can, but I haven't got time. And uh, uh, am I a super generous person? Well, no, but I'm learning to develop a spirit of generosity. And uh, but light floods in to your being. Wisdom means knowing what to do next. Do you need wisdom in your life? A key to developing wisdom and light coming into your soul and your mind is to develop a spirit of generosity. So can we dethrone money, material possessions, loving other people, loving other things more than we love God? Yes, we can. We can deny ourselves. We can regularly give away money, and we can develop a spirit of generosity. So, and I wonder if the uh, worship team could uh, come back, come back up, please. Do you, are you, do you seek first the kingdom of heaven in your, is it a first priority? Um, and uh, in the book of Revelation, the last book in the Bible, Jesus is speaking in this vision to the apostle John. And he's speaking to the church of, at Ephesus. And uh, he says, well, he says, look, I've got this one thing against you. He says, that is, you have forsaken your first love. You don't love me like you did at the beginning. You need to repent and enthrone me as Lord of your life. When you think about the Ten Commandments, you know, do you know the first two? are all about the priority that we place God in our lives. You have no other gods beside me. Or they will be considerably lower. Now listen, I don't want you to get the idea that God's a killjoy. Because that's absolute nonsense. Paul writes to the Colossian church and he says, Do you know what? God has given us all things plenteously for our enjoyment. I love life. I love the things in this world that, and I enjoy them. But, but my priority, and a million miles from anything else, is I want to seek the Lord first. And do you know what? When you, you know when you practice your Christianity and you, you come to, say come to church, that's one aspect of practicing Christianity, isn't it? Or whatever you do. You know, when you come to church, what are you after? Here's just a thought. Are, are, you, are you after what you can get from God? Or are you 
is your heart for God and you want him. Now, R.T. Kendall, last year, the Bible teacher, last year in May, he wrote his latest book and uh, it says it's more of God. And that's his premise in there. What, what are we after? Are we, are we after the things that God can give or are we after God himself? In other words, where's your heart? Because where your heart is, there your treasure will be. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be. And it could be today that your heart has slipped. And no, I have other things crowding that out. And I want to re-enthrone the Lord on my heart. It could be today that he's never touched your heart. And you've not known the love of God be poured into your heart. That happened to be back in 1978. I asked Jesus in. And the Spirit of God poured his love into my heart. And, and I love the Lord. I love the Lord and, um, and, and that's my commitment. That's, that's where I'm at. And, and I love my family and I love my wife and I love you lot. You know, all to different degrees, you know. But, you know, no, let's be honest. You know. But I love God more than anything else. And if you do that, if you seek first the kingdom of heaven and his righteousness, all, you get all the other things anyway. So stop worrying. But the priority is loving the Lord. So I just wonder if you, I'd like to pray for us this morning and ask this question, where is your heart? Where is your treasure today? Would you like to know the Lord? You can know the Lord. He can come into your heart. He can sweep you away with a flood of his love into your heart and your life and you'll never be the same again. Just one touch from the king can change everything we used to sing a song and it's uh, shall I try and sing it am I, am I right it's, 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 I've got two, two minutes 22 seconds yeah um, uh, uh, right yeah okay alright uh, uh, right it, uh, yeah I wasn't going to sing the song it was just a line from it something happened deep, deep inside he touched me and made me whole and that's what God will do for you so could I invite us to, to just stand and we'll just sing Right, depends what the appeal is. Right, okay. Um, okay. The, I just wonder then if there is anybody here who uh, is saying, well, yeah, I, I want Jesus to be number one in my life. I want God to be enthroned upon my life uh, and put him back to number one. And that's, that's for you. I pray for you for that. But also if there's somebody here who is saying, uh, well, I've, I've never known God's love in my life uh, and I want to then that's for you. So I just wonder, um, we'll, we'll just sing, and, and, but uh, to close, but I, I'll just pray for you right now for both of those two things. Thank you. So Heavenly Father, we give you, we give you praise, we give you thanks for your love for us, Lord. And um, Lord, I just pray for um, any one of us here today, Lord, who are just saying, well, I don't know that I don't know that Jesus is my first love like you've been describing but somehow I want that and I want him enthroned on my, on my life I want him the treasure of my life and so Lord I just pray now for anyone saying that that you will meet them where they are and you'll pour your love into their heart right now and uh, Lord I pray for anybody who's never known your touch in their life and never known you as their best friend. 
and the love of their life. <laughs> and Lord, I just pray that as they draw near to you, you will just meet them and come into their life and fill them with your love and your joy and your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.